Today on the show, we're talking about financial decision fatigue. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney, I'm your host, and today I'm joined with my co-host Trevor, and we're talking about financial decision fatigue today. We're going to talk about what it is and the problem with it, along with some solutions. Yeah, so financial decision fatigue, it, it is... It's present. It, it, it presence is there all the time, and it's it's your ability to recognize that it's happening and and have a system in place to deal with it. I think this is a really a very important topic, and we, we're calling it financial decision fatigue. But I think there's just deci- de- decision fatigue in general. It's like life in general. There's decision fatigue. Quite often. The decisions we make in life have a financial consequence, but I think there's decision fatigue. This could apply to life as a whole. So Trevor, the definition you have here, you pulled it from Wikipedia, kind of nice and short, concise. But um, so decision fatigue is defined as in decision making in psychology, decision fatigue refers to the deteriorating quality of decisions made by an individual after a long session of decision making. It is now understood as one of the causes of irrational trade-offs in decision making. So I really like that. And I want to kind of zero in on the the little piece there, the irrational trade-offs. What does that mean? Well, this is where you've you've kind of spent all your energy in making decisions, maybe small decisions, maybe some big decisions. Regardless, is you're done with with making decisions. You you've kind of reached your limit of of processing information and coming up with solutions. And this is where you you no longer are using logic or even emotion to make a decision that makes sense. So you're just you're just pushing through and being irrational, meaning you're going to look back and regret what you've done. And also in that definition, it talks about um, a long session of decision making. So what is that defined as? Because in my mind, when we talk about a long session decision making, that could be thinking of a decision for three hours at a time or five hours at a time. But could that also be um, a 12 hour day when you are awake and all the decisions that you make throughout the day? Well, I think if you if you are forced to make a whole bunch of micro decisions all day long and a couple of big decisions at work, and then you get home and you're faced with more decisions, I, th- I think come the end of the day, you're kind of you're kind of done. And I, I know at work, I will have had a busy week at work, and by the end of the week on Friday. I'm I'm saying yes to things I should be saying no to in, in a big way. So I like I like this concept of decision fatigue and at a bigger scale financial decision fatigue because sometimes I don't know if you've heard this too Trevor but I've heard that you can get tired from different things. So if you work a physically demanding job um, using your body or muscles when you come home at the end of the end of the day and maybe have to use kind of exert a lot of mental energy you may be physically tired but you still have that ability to exert all that mental um capacity not saying again that you're not exerting mental capacity in your in the workplace as well but it's just that it's really exercising two different muscles groups so the reason i love today's topic in this episode is that 
regardless of what we're making a decision about, just the act of making a decision, like you said, whether you're taking it from work and then coming home and making decisions decisions that have nothing to do with work, it all your brain kind of processes that decision-making process the same way. And if you think about, if, if you've spent all your decision-making stamina, that's what I'm going to call it. Ooh, I uh, like that. At, yeah. So if you've used it all up at work and you get home and you're starting to make import, you have to make an important decision in your personal life. It's it's a shame that you have, you have consumed all your stamina up using it on work and you'll make a poor decision in your personal life at home in the evening. So it's, I think having a system in place to, to not be decision fatigued is, is really important. So before we do jump into the problem with decision fatigue and then solutions to decision fatigue, I do want to talk about who is affected and can, is it safe to say that if you are listening to this podcast today, you have experienced or experienced financial decision fatigue? I think so, but I think personality plays a role in this. If you are a person that is anxious and maybe, so anxious per people tend to de- be uh, future, have a future mindset and depressed people tend to have a, a, a mindset attached to the past and a golden retriever <laughs> has a mindset of right now. So I think in a perfect world, we'd all have the mindset of a golden retriever, but we don't. So a, People who are anxious or suffer from anxiety, I think these are the people that suffer the most from decision fatigue. And and they're, they're making decisions about things that haven't even happened yet. And and I think that is a dangerous place. So I'm one of those people. I'm an anxious person. I tend to worry about the future a lot. I tend to make you know decisions about things that have yet to happen or may never happen, but I, I sort of thought them through. And if, if this ever comes up, this is what I'd do. You can... Burning through that kind of energy is a complete waste of time, but I do it often. So, so you're making decisions. You're making, if the average person who, so pretend you're a golden retriever and you make a hundred decisions a day, you could be making maybe a thousand decisions a day. So I cannot imagine the fatigue that, that your, your, if it, your stamina must be, must be up against. Well, and this is why uh, meditation and living in the moment and all those mantras are so important because you're wasting you're wasting decision fatigue on things that that haven't even happened yet or don't may never ever require a decision but if you're an anxious person and you worry about the future you're kind of you're kind of thinking of problems that might come up and resolutions i mean that's how the anxious mind works and my final question in in terms of who experiences decision fatigue and at what level is does age and experience come into play at all when we when we get to this it, are you going to or maybe even where you are in your life based on maybe entering the workplace or or near retirement as yourself or would you say personality like you just touched on plays a bigger factor in this well i don't think age will help you if you've never come up with solutions to deal with decision fatigue then uh, if you're like in your fifties and you have still have yet to come up with a solution to deal with decision fatigue, then somebody who, who did it in their thirties is obviously better off than you. So I, I don't think age insulates you from decision fatigue, but personality could. So I do want to jump now into the four problems that you've put together, Trevor, with a decision fatigue. So I think it's important to realize that, yes, decision making decisions are definitely important, but 
that there are problems that come along with decision fatigue. So number one is, um, so the first problem with decision fatigue is that bad decisions lead to bad outcomes, which will result in reduced confidence. So this ends up being a slippery slope. So just say you, you're decision fatigued, end of the day, and you decide you're going to get uh, uh, new windows installed in your house. And you, you just, you think you've got it all sorted out. And then the person selling the windows, they, they ask you one last question. And you just say, just go with option A. It was the first one they mentioned. And it turns out to be a bad decision. Well, then the next time you're faced with a, a high cost type of decision, I, I think you're going to, you're, what's going to happen is you're, you're going you're gonna to be in a position where you don't want to make a decision because the last one didn't go well. Like bad decisions that lead to bad outcomes, they, they really, your, your confidence in making future decisions is impacted by this. Is there ever time that maybe we get lucky, maybe we make keep making bad decisions and we don't realize our outcomes are bad? Or do we only realize that maybe we have a problem when this exact um, scenario occurs, bad outcomes, and then reduce confidence? Well, you, you're right. You could get lucky. You could just, you know, decide on something that wasn't well thought out and it turns out as a good outcome and you have this artificial sense of confidence, which could be even more dangerous. Because this one, this point, I 100% agree that this is true for maybe everyone, but I think there is that kind of tiny, a tiny portion of, of individuals who have the personality that maybe where they make decisions and kind of just roll with it. I know, I know my sister is like that. I admire her for that. She'll make decisions and they will, they'll, they'll just lead. They'll, they'll, they, it always works out because it's just that frame of mind and that perspective. So the second problem with decision fatigue is procrastination. No decision often leads to a decision. So procrastination uh, quite often you'll defer and defer and defer a decision until either the decision makes itself or, or time runs out and, and you're, you're forced to just make a ra- you know, irrational decision because you, you've run out of time. And if you think of number one, so bad decisions will lead to bad outcomes, which results in reduced confidence. And when you, when you don't have confidence in your decision-making ability, quite often you will procrastinate about making future decisions. And when I say no decision leads to a decision, quite often, if you don't, if you don't do something, the quite often you're weighing two options, and one requires action, and the the alternative requires inaction. So, the inaction will win out in procrastination, and you'll end up with something you really didn't want. I feel like this one is one that we commonly experience because. It's sometimes easier, again, like you said, just to put it off, to not think about it um, and, and just kind of let it sit there. And I think when, it, so we're talking about financial de- decision fatigue. I think procrastinating about a financial decision it is, it is the worst possible thing you could do. I mean, it, it is just a terrible outcome almost 90% of the time. Has there been a time when, so the second point here, procrastination has either benefited you or, or not benefited you? I, I can, I can say without question, I, I, I'm, str- I'm struggling to think of a situation where procrastination 
in a financial decision has paid off. I, I, I can't at this moment think of a single one where I'm saying, wow, I'm glad I didn't make a decision on that. It, it, I can't think of a single one. But I'm running through my mind thinking of many that I, I wish I would have decided something because the indecision, the, the result of not making a decision I, I, has always turned out to, to work against me. And like we always say, I, I know we've kind of said this here on the show before that when it comes to our personal finance, financial life, that we really need to be in the driver's seat. We need to take control. We need to be the the individual kind of leading the charge. And we can't let life kind of happen to us in terms of personal finance. We really need to be deliberate. Again, that's another tagline. And, and, and you said it right there. So you, we need to be deliberate. That is the key. And Financial decision fatigue and that happening because of procrastination, that is anything but being deliberate. I mean, you will regret the outcome almost every time. So the third problem with decision fatigue is that we can make impulsive decisions. Yeah, so when you make an impulsive decision, it, it tends to lack logic or emotion, which I think are two really good inputs to any decision you make. And this will often lead to regret. So and so if you have financial de- decision fatigue and you, you just, you, and you pro- just say you procrastinate, you wait till the last minute, and then at the last minute you say, I'll just choose option A. You know, with, without any forethought, without any logic or emotion, you are going to regret that 99% of the time. So when we are talking about the the point number three here, impulsive decisions, I mean, it doesn't seem as bad if we're looking at maybe more minor purchases um, that with a lower lower price tag. But obviously, this can be a problem, a huge problem if if we're looking at those kind of bigger bigger purchases that we do make. But I guess my question for you is that: is it? If I'm making a big purchase, if you're making a big purchase, we would assume that we were kind of having putting our best best uh, best brain forward, that we were kind of being completely present and completely honest with ourselves, and that we were we were not we would not and we wouldn't let ourselves be overtaken by decision fatigue. However, do, does decision fatigue, or do you find that that decision fatigue would slip in when we are making? bigger purchases or, or, or is that even, is it possible to pull the impulsive card when we are making those big decisions? So here's an example. I, I recently bought a used car and I looked at a, I had a test drove a whole bunch of used cars. I went and looked at them and I ended up coming down to two cars and I, I was weighing the pros and cons of each car. And the, so the one thing I felt I was a little impulsive about is I ended up picking a car where I wasn't in love with the color. And but I liked everything else about the car. And I, I so with something that just where you can't be analytical about it. So I, it's cosmetic, the color of the car. It's not gonna affect how the car operates, it's not gonna affect the longe- longevity of the car, it's not gonna affect how the car uh meets my my needs on a, from a practical standpoint. It is purely cosmetic. And I, I'm not really concerned about cosmetics of, of anything, but I, I feel I was impulsive about choosing that car. I didn't. I feel I didn't give enough decision-making importance to 
to the color because the two cars were very similar. I mean, there was there was very little between the two uh, de- debating, you know, but I, I did analyze them and make a lot of decisions why I wanted this one over that one. But at the end of the day, I gave very little consideration to the color. And I, I wonder if I just ran out of energy and just said, I'll go with this color. Wow, that's that's it's interesting to to hear that example because and that's that was really answered my question because a car and a, and a home are two of the biggest purchases we might make and it kind of makes sense though because there I mean it, because they are the two biggest purchases we make in our lives there's a lot of those big and little decisions that go into making kind of the final decision of what home you're going to purchase and what car you're going to buy. So it really, it kind of, it, it, we kind of get worn down near the end of it. And that, I mean, maybe something to keep in mind when you're speaking with um, sales associates and, and, um, and individuals in those spaces, because maybe they're aware that you are being broken down slowly. Oh, they absolutely are. When you're buying uh even a small ticket item, uh, they will quite often, you know, ask you uh, many questions and you, you, in the, in the buying process, knowing, and they, they will often leave the important questions till the end. And they do that because they know they have wore you down question by question by question. And you get to the very end and, and you just got nothing, nothing left. And you just, you just go with whatever they're saying. Now you mentioned a house. So I, and so here's the thing. So I questioned whether I gave enough merit to the color of the car I bought. So I, I'm questioning that. I don't know if I had decision fatigue, but I really don't think I spent enough time on that. Now the home I own, I, I, I the location I live in is okay. The street next to me is maybe a little busier than I would have liked, but it, it's, it's not like a super highway. It's not really busy, but it's, I would have, everyone would love to be on like a a cul-de-sac where there's no traffic, right? But the road I live next to, there's just random traffic. But I wonder if I gave enough decision to that location. You know, did did I consider that road enough? Obviously, I lived here for 20 years, so it's it's not an issue. But but when I bought the house, I, I after the fact, I said, did I really, really give that road, that traffic on that road, enough consideration in my decision making? And when you're buying a house, I mean, every time you say no to a house that that you didn't buy, you you went through a, a hundred or, or two hundred or five hundred decisions to get to the point to say no, I don't want that house. And so when you're buying houses and you're looking at houses constantly, like when you're when you're in the house buying mode, you're going to see houses almost daily, and and you're making decisions about I want this, I, I like this, I don't like that, and and by the time you actually sign on the dotted line and you buy your final home, you you will have gone through, just say it took a month, you will have gone through thousands of decisions to get to that point. You, you're almost, you're done making decisions. I really like that. So that is so true though. And do you think it's hindsight though, Trevor, that you're noticing these things or is it actually looking back, could it be, I guess, I mean, I know you've lived in your home for a while, but could it have been decision fatigue? And is that kind of what you're wrestling with? Well, when we get to the solutions sec- section, I wish I would have had some of these solutions in place when I when I was younger. And I have them in place now, and some of them are irrelevant, but they're there anyway. But particularly around home buying, I wish I would have had a solution and car buying in my younger days. I obviously have it in place from now, and it works. 
but I wish I would have had it in place in my younger days. So before we do get to those solutions, we have one final problem with decision fatigue. The fourth and final problem is the path of least resistance is not the path of prosperity. Yeah, so this this kind of really says, if you are deciding on something, say a big ticket item, and it seems to be going too smooth or this is effortless, chances are you're, you're, you're not making decisions about this that should be made. So if you're buying a car and it's like the first car you see is the car you want and you, you end up buying it, I, I think you're, you might look back with some regret. Like this, make, Whenever you're doing something, particularly a big ticket item, or just say you, you, you go a whole month and felt you, you haven't even made a single important decision, then chances are there's, there's decisions that are happening that you're, you're oblivious to. You're, you're not make, you should be making decisions uh, frequently. Like if you're not making financial decisions on a regular basis, then you're probably not being financially responsible. That's kind of what that statement sums up to. And this is about avoiding having to make too many decisions. But if you haven't had to make a financial decision in the last month, and that could be, you know, can I really afford to go to the movies? Or should I really be going out for dinner, you know, another time this week? Or should I be, you know, do I really need another article of clothing? Like, if you're not questioning your financial life, at least, I'm going to say at least once a week, then you're probably not thinking enough. You're you're not making enough financial decisions. So that's that's kind of backwards to what I've been saying about avoiding financial decisions, but you should have to make some financial decisions on a regular basis. I love this fourth and final point because it really speaks volumes to what we as human beings gravitate towards. We gravitate towards um, things that are easy, things that are comfortable. And and I, I like this because it pushes us to kind of get step aside of our usually followed uh, human nature to, to really question things. And I think that is at the core of, of what being financially independent is all about, is just stepping outside of the things that are come, come easy and come naturally because that is going to make the difference. It's going to move the needle. So you know how we do uh, shows? So we did the budgeting show or the used car shows. We did part one and part two. So the, the used car one, we did, you know, the why to, why you should buy a used car. And, and then this part two is how to buy a used car. And we often do shows where it's the problem with and the solutions. And so in, in the used car one or the budgeting one, I enjoy the why to's far more important than, the, far more than the how to's. But in these shows where it's problem and solution, I enjoy the solution section far more than I do, you know, describing the problem. So now this is my favorite part. <laughs> so we are going to jump into the solutions to decision fatigue. Trevor has seven solutions down here for you. Sorry, six solutions down here for you to to help kind of get over decision fatigue and not let that get in the way of, of, of making smart financial decisions. So the first one is routine will automate the small decisions, leaving time and energy for the big ones. So this is like, this is like step one. This is low hanging fruit. And it's as simple as like, you don't want to get to work and be, have spent 50% of your decision making stamina 
before you even get to work. You know, that that's a recipe for disaster. So an example would be, and I'm not suggesting this works for everybody, but have you have a wardrobe of clothes where it's basically the same thing every day. You know, it, it, jeans and a t-shirt, right? Or, or khakis in a, in a, in a polo, right? Just make it so you're, and I'm describing men's wardrobe. <laughs> I know it's easier for a 50 year old man than it is for a, a young woman per se, but, but you get the idea. Make it, make it so that's not a decision. Like it's, you might have to decide on the color, but I mean, it's khakis in a polo, it's jeans in a t-shirt. It's, it's just the same thing every day. And some people say that makes life boring. It will also make life easy. And then for breakfast, just make same thing every day. There's, you don't have to decide. Breakfast is this. This is what I eat for breakfast every day. I'm not going to sit there and ponder. Make lunch. I mean, these are little things. So long it's nutritious, make it the same thing every day. Don't, don't, don't challenge yourself. And then on your drive to work, just say there's three different ways to go to work. Go the same way every day. Like make it easy. So those things are just habits. So you've brought up, so these habits that you've kind of listed here, these all don't necessarily or at all have to do with personal finance. Where, where do these habits and and decisions benefit us in a personal finance space? Well, no, they do have a financial impact. If you think of clothing, if you needed to wear something new and exciting every day, there's a cost to that. There's a cost to having something new and exciting in your closet every day. And if you are going to have elaborate breakfasts or, or just say it turns out you, you're, you're planning a, a very you know, grand breakfast, but you ran out of time, you end up having to stop and get one at Tim Hortons on your way to work, right? And you have to buy it because you, you had these big plans and it didn't work out. You didn't have enough time. You can see there is financial implications to to these if you don't automate them. And in the same breath, though, when you does this point also refer to the fact that if you automate, so the small non financial decisions, like we said at the beginning of the show, that all decisions, your brain kind of weighs all decisions the same way. There's still that the thought and the decision, thought decisions. So if you automate the ones that your brain doesn't realize aren't financial ones that maybe it'll free up the space later in the day or whenever for, for more for thoughts related to personal finance. Yeah, that, that, that is a good point as well. So I, I just think that if you can automate the small decisions, you just leave a lot of space for the big ones. When, and then when we're looking directly at um, personal finance, we, we have done a past show about the dangers of automation. So uh, when we're talking about kind of automation in this space, are we, are we talking about like credit card payments, bill payments? At what level uh, do kind of maybe smaller, minute automations actually benefit us? Well, you're right. You could get into trouble if you automate bill payments and just forget that they're happening in the background. But you probably need to build in a system or some sort of mechanism to review those things on some regular interval. So you might review your cable package. Actually, you should never have cable. You might review your internet package or your cell phone contract. You shouldn't have a contract. Your cell phone (laughs) service. Um, You might review those things every three months. Just put it on the calendar, right? Put it in your, get out your iPhone, put in a a, a thing three months out, you know, review my cell phone service. See if, and just, 
do a quick search when it comes up in your calendar, see if there's a cheaper option. If not, continue on. So in, in summary, when this point does refer to both the everyday tasks that aren't directly related with personal finance, plus maybe some smaller um, decision, financial decisions that you can automate. Uh, yes, but I would, when you say non-financial, there isn't many decisions you make that don't have a financial consequence to them. Oh, I'm, yeah, no, and I know. I'm just referring to like the, the make breakfast, get dressed. Those are kind of things that I, I and maybe our listeners refer to as just kind of the mundane um, getting ready for work or getting ready for school decisions. So the second solution to decision fatigue is put big decisions on the calendar. Use time to your advantage. So this thing is twofold. So if you think, just say you have to make a big decision about uh, sending your kid off to post-secondary education. There's a, that, that's a big cost. There's, there's a lot of things to think through there. There's a lot of buy-in from all parties involved. And you don't want to make that just in passing, like on the drive, say you're driving your, your child to school. You, you don't want to decide on their uh, uh, four years of university on a quick drive, dropping your kid off to school. You know, that, that's not how that decision should be made. You should be doing pros and cons and, and, and weighing all the possibilities in a, in a very big room decision. And so this one, if you put it on the calendar, and you put it on everyone's calendar so everyone will block out the time to really focus on this decision. Then you will you will have put this on the calendar when you know you're going to be at home, when you know everyone's going to be at home. You're you know that you can't burn your burn through your your decision making stamina that day because you have a big decision to make that night, a lot of things to think about. So if you put it on the calendar, you can prepare yourself to make that big decision. I like this one. And have you found that... Actually, here, here's here's one. You recently moved to a, a new apartment. Now, or a new a new place. It's, it's a house you rent. So now when you decided on that place, where were we when you when you made the final decision? Yeah, we're going to take it. Or we really want that place. When did you... Where were you when you made that final decision? I was sitting in my living room, um, just on the couch at my uh, my previous apartment. So what day of the week was it? Ooh. Like was it a work day or, or was it I'm a, pretty sh- a I'm pretty sure it was a weekend. Weekend. So you were probably in a really good mindset. Did that just worked out by chance? Yeah, no, it did. But looking back, I mean, maybe being more deliberate and, and kind of like understanding that the, I make less decisions in the weekend could have worked to my benefit. So I'm going to say you, you probably had a small window of time to decide whether you're going to take the place, right? Yes. So... Even with, just say you, you looked at the place on a Thursday and the guy says, I need to know by Monday if you want it. Just, just say that was, that sounds like a reasonable scenario, right? I'm not, oh, I'm yeah. not being outrageous. Yeah. So uh, what I would have done in that case, I would have put on me and my partner, I would have put on the calendar Sunday, two o'clock. We are just, we're going to sit down and decide if this department's for us or this house is for us or not. You know, does that, does that date and time work for you, partner? And if it does, then, and maybe you even go to like a, a different location, like a, like a coffee shop where, where you, there's no distractions. Like, okay, there's, there's people, but there's no distractions like in your house, like something that needs to be done or housework or whatever. So you're, you're kind of relieved of that. Like you could really put yourself in a good place physically and mentally to make that important decision. Oh, definitely. And I think that right there, that screams 
deliberate, taking deliberate steps to, to make sure that you're not plagued by decision fatigue. So the third solution, third of six solutions is to eliminate distractions. So this goes right back to the one you're talking about, Trevor. Yeah. So when I say eliminate distractions, it means being in a good place mentally and a good place physically when you have to make a big decision, right? So this is, and again, decision fatigue is, you, it could be you dreading making a decision or you're exhausted from making decisions. So the, it works from both ends. So this would kind of lead more if you're dreading making a decision. And just put yourself, like, don't make big decisions at the end of the workday. You know, that that's putting yourself in a, a bad place with lots of distractions for making important decisions. And I know actually when I bought the house I live in, I actually, we actually signed the final offer and there's a lot of decisions to make when you're signing back and forth between the vendor and the purchaser. We did it at the end of the workday and I was in no, I, I, I like looking back, I, I wish, I don't even, I can't remember if it was even an option to push it out to the weekend, probably wasn't, but I remember doing it at the end of the workday and when I signed that, I just felt like it just spent and exhausted and and in doubt if I made the right decision. It's it's it's, it's funny that you mentioned the big decisions because uh, my question for you is what about the small decisions? And especially when we're talking about eliminate distractions, if 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 we take out, I'm going to throw the example of like bad bad foods for us. If we, if we are if we fill our homes with distracting foods where we have to make a decision not to eat those foods or eat those foods. That is also waning, creating decision fatigue as well. So, how important are they? That's one kind of small example, but how important are all the little small decisions added up in comparison to the large decision? I mean, I know buying a home is big, but any other maybe big, large decision that we will make. Well, it also what you said. It also that's also eating away at discipline, right? That that that's even beyond decisions. You're you're talking about self discipline when you when you if you're trying to eat healthy and you bring uh, junk food in your house, you've just, you know, added the required discipline to avoid that stuff. But I, I'm saying even, so if you can, we, the number one was make the automate the routine, routine stuff. So that if you do that, if you automate the routine stuff and then they become habits, not decisions, then that frees you up to make big, big picture decisions, right? This is and and. So I'm saying if you keep making big decisions with distractions and obstacles in your way, you will be fatigued and you will, on that single decision, you will be fatigued and you will make a bad decision. That, no, that makes sense. I, I like the the differentiation between um, discipline and decision fatigue. So the fourth solution to decision fatigue is to write it down. So this one, I talk about writing stuff down a lot. And what happens when you write stuff down is you turn off your emotional brain and you turn on your logical brain. The act of writing requires the logical brain to be engaged. And so quite often people will say, write down the pros and cons. Well, I don't even know if the pros and cons are useful, but what it does is it turns on your logical brain. So you, you're using more logic to make your, your decision 
than emotion. And I think it's the emotion that, that people run out of juice on, right? They run out of energy to deliver the emotion. And I'm not saying emotion shouldn't be part of a decision, but the emotion consumes far more energy in decision-making than logic does. And I'm guessing then that this, you even kind of mentioned uh, when you were purchasing your car that you kind of made a pros and cons list. So it sounds like this one is one that actually firsthand really benefits you. Well, you know, another thing I, I used to have my kids do is I would have them, when they wanted to, say, play hockey or they wanted, they were deciding whether they wanted to play hockey or soccer. Actually, those two sports are in different seasons, but say it was hockey and base basketball and they couldn't play both and they were kind of struggling with what decision to make. I'd say, write down what you really like about each each sport and, and see, you know, write write those down and then let's sit down and read them. And the act of writing them down put a lot of logic into what you like about it. Actually, my my son was debating between two uh, universities and he picked one and I, I challenged him on it. I said, you know, you at one time you really liked the other school. I said, why don't you write down what you really like about both schools? And when he wrote it down, I, I could see the logic. I could see the logic he had applied to those two things. And I felt a lot more confident in that decision than, than I, than him just coming up and telling me, I, I knew it was, there was, it wasn't, again, I, emotion should come in decisions, but it shouldn't be the sole driving force. Wow. That is, that is so powerful. I mean, a tool f- to kind of obviously uh, help your children make decisions and, and kind of just be all on the same page in that realm but also in your individual life as well. That I mean, I've never, I've never kind of thought about applying it in, in that way before. You know, if you've ever studied for an exam, and this is something I learned a long time ago, is just reading your notes is, that's, that's good and that's helpful. But making bullet points about your notes, you know, writing down the important things as you reread your notes, writing it down. When I, when I did that, those exams were the easiest one. I mean, that that stuff just stuck, right? So, and it seems like it's a waste of time when you write it down. And I, I'm going to say writing it down on a, with pen and paper, not not typing it on your phone or typing it into a computer. The act of writing is, it takes it to another level. Yes, and I 100% second that. So the fifth solution to decision fatigue is don't operate in a silo. Use your support system. So this is, again, your decision fatigue. You've got a really big decision to make. Reach out to the people around you that care about you. Reach out to those people. We talked, we had a show on financial mentors. Reach out to, to a mentor, somebody who, who's already made this decision and, and ask them, you know, what did you, what were the kind of, the, the criteria or how did you arrive at the decision to do what you did? Cause I'm there now. And this is, this sounds counterintuitive, but go to the people who are doing the opposite. Like do go to the people who are doing, making decisions that you think are train wrecks, financial decisions that you, people you in your life who have made horrible financial decisions on house buying and go talk to those people and say, you know, I'm thinking of buying a house what was sort of the, your decision-making process when you bought this house? You know, knowing they're in a house they can't afford or, or they, they're in a house that's in a horrible neighborhood and ask them. And then, so don't go to, go to the people who, who 
have the outcome you want and go to the people who have the outcome you don't want. But what you want is, is ask them about their process, the process they went through to get to their, where they, their, their outcome. Uh, and then you're not reinventing the wheel. So decision fatigue is you coming up with the criteria and then deciding on it. So if somebody else can give you the criteria, then all of a sudden, all you have to do is decide on it. So I love that question. Ask them about the process because uh, any anyone who's ever we all, I it's a, it's a thing where if if you all the reviews on Amazon sometimes are positive because that person has the object and they're kind of forced to to tell you good things about the object that they purchased. So by asking the individual, oh, how do you like your home? You're of course going to say they love it. But if you the process that kind of adds that extra layer of understanding and depth. And the last solution to decision fatigue is have a value system. These are pre-made decisions. So we did talk about value systems last episode, but how does this come into play when we're talking about decision fatigue? So this ends up being decisions you don't have to make. And this is the money part of the show. (laughs) This is the payoff here. This is the most powerful one. And this is the one that has, has served me so well. So I'll give you an example. So I decided a long time ago, back in my 20s, that I don't buy new cars. That's just something I don't do. I don't buy new cars. I buy used cars. That decision was made at like t- age 27. I don't buy new cars. That's uh, done. Actually, I don't buy brand new houses either. I don't even have to wonder. So if I'm at a car lot looking at a used car and a sales guy says, you know, you could have this brand new one for the same payment just spread over, you know, eight years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I don't have to worry about that that, that pressure because I've already have, and here here I am I have the financial means to buy a new car no question like I'm not even wondering I, I definitely have the fin- I'm, I'm, I'm approaching uh, retirement financial independence I have the financial means to buy a new car without a question I just bought a used car like I don't buy new cars it's just something I don't do I don't have to I don't have to d- debate that every time I need a car what about a new one, right? That, 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 think of the fatigue I've avoided by having that pre, and so now just say, I, I need to borrow money for a used car. Well, I don't have to wonder how much I'm going to spend. It's already been decided. If I have to borrow money, I have to be able to repay it. So the payment has to fit into my budget to be repaid over 36 months. That's it. If I can't, then I can't afford that car. I don't have to him and haw about it, I'd say, okay, that one's not an option. Let's move on to the next car. See, see, there's no weighing that, you know, that's not weighing down on me. So it's, here's the, I hear people say this all the time. This, this, this one kills me. So they're out shopping for cars and they end up spending more on a car than they want. And they said, well, it's an investment in transportation. So I'm okay with that. Well, a car that goes down with every passing minute is not an investment. And if you think that's an investment, it's a really bad investment. So, but that's how people, they, they try to reason out a bad decision after the fact. And so these people suffered from decision fatigue. They were broke down, broke down, and broke down, maybe by a salesperson, but they finally decided, you know, I'll just take the more expensive one, you know, and be done with it. Because they're thinking, I'll have the least amount of regret if I buy the, the newer car, right? So, or some people will, will, they go shopping for a used car, they'll end up buying a new one. They'll say, well, you know, at least I won't, you know, if it breaks down, I won't have that regret. And they, they use that, I hear that all the time, the regret. Well, you're going to regret the, the money you spent, the extra money that you didn't need to. So that's 
and and here's another one. Since I become debt free, I don't borrow money for anything. So I will not borrow money for anything ever again. So I I will never owe somebody money. So if some opportunity presents itself in my life or some want appears, if I don't have the money to buy it, then I'm not I have no decision to make. It's not like, well, Maybe if I borrow the money, like this is only coming up once in a lifetime, I'll, I'll just use the home equity line of credit, right? Borrow the money against my house to buy this RV because it's really shiny. And like, I, I can never be into, I could go to an RV show and it would be harmless for me to go to that because I can't fall victim to credit, right? And that, that's how those people sell those things. So, or a motorcycle, I, a bunch, a few people I work with have motorcycles and it's springtime, everyone's getting them out and they look really awesome, but it's not something I'm going to entertain because I, I, I don't borrow money for anything. So these pre-made decisions make reduced decision fatigue. Now, I'm talking, if you're going to have a, a value system, start with big picture things like houses and cars because those are the things that will destroy you financially and then work it into the smaller aspects of your life. For instance, I like thrifting. I like I like buying secondhand clothes and it's not that I can't afford new clothes. I absolutely can. But I enjoy finding a diamond in the rough. Like So for me, all my shirts and sweaters and everything I own, uh, I, I only buy tops secondhand. It's just something I do. It's not that I can't afford new clothes. I just have made that rule. I only buy secondhand shirts. So having a value system, it's really like implementing a superpower because... It means that at the end of a long work day, end of a long work week, you still, there's no, you take out the the decision element. It's like you're invincible. It it is. And you know, some people have these, because there's a lot of people that have um, rules in place or a value system for the environment. I know a lot of people that they just, they won't use uh just you know, we re, they only use re, reusable water bottles. They won't buy the the pack of twenty four water bottles where you know you you throw them away. There's people that won't do those for environmental reasons, and and they're I I'd, I'm the same way. But I if you can do it for for environmental reasons or for any good cause, there's a lot of people that also have a a humanitarian aspect with when it comes to um the the how animals are treated, pets and 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 uh. If you if you can build a value system for that, you can build a value system for your finances as well. So Trevor, that brings us to the end of today's show on def- financial decision fatigue. We went from talking about the definition of what decision fatigue is to the problems with decision fatigue, right to the solutions um, to, to how to kind of conquer and combat decision fatigue. Before we end the show today, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways for our listeners when facing um, decisions and how to combat decision fatigue? Yeah, don't let financial decision fatigue be your undoing because it, it can happen. Have a system, have a solution. There's really six really good strategies here. I, I think if even you adopted half of them, you would be on the road to avoiding decision fatigue. We will have all of the solutions that we talked about today in the show notes. so You can refer back to them and hopefully implement them in your life. Thank you so much for joining us and being here with us today as we talked about financial decision fatigue. 
If there are any solutions that you utilize to help overcome financial decision fatigue in your life, we'd love to hear about them. You can always reach out to us via email at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com or through our contact submission form on our website at livelifesimple.ca. Again, thank you so much for being here with us this week and we can't wait to have you back here with us next week for a brand new show. Until then, keep it simple.